that you have in this church. If you do, may God, well, whatever. I just don't think you ought to take that for granted, okay? Praise the Lord. You've got great leadership. These people are genuine. They love you and they love the work of God. I wish I could tell you that everywhere I've went, I've found the caliber of leadership that I've found here, but I haven't. I wish I could tell you that everywhere I've been, I've found the degree of love and genuine concern for the people of God as I found it here, but I haven't. So you need to be very thankful. You need to be very thankful for what you have here. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 18 and verse number 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Simply put, that means no matter how ill, sick, afflicted, diseased you become, your human spirit can be strong enough to hold you up and keep you with a good positive attitude even in those times of illness. And I've met people with intensely very, very, very strong human spirits that were able to do that. I watched my father in the moments before he died still able to smile and say a word of kindness literally within minutes and hours of when he died. That was his human spirit sustaining him in his infirmity. But look at the rest of the verse. But a wounded spirit who can bear. Now the Bible don't lie and the Bible don't play games. If it says that your human spirit's strong enough to sustain you infirmity, but you cannot handle a wounded spirit, that's exactly what it means. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? So no matter how much you're able to do with your human spirit, you cannot handle a wounded spirit. I come to you this morning with the message from the Lord that he's placed deep, deep, deep in my spirit. I'd like to entitle it today, The Tragedy of a Wounded Spirit. The Tragedy of a Wounded Spirit. Would you put your Bibles down, raise your hands, and ask God to start right now opening your spirit up to his spirit. Would you do it right now? Come on, you've got to get your spirit open for this to work. You've got to get your mind and your heart and your spirit open for this to do what it's supposed to do. My God, in the name of the Lord, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody pray until your spirit opens. Somebody pray and ask God to open your spirit right now completely. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God. Wonder if one more time we could clap our hands and shout with our voice unto the Lord. You may be seated. Now, the first part of this is going to seem somewhat like possibly, uh, some of it's going to seem kind of like slow, 
methodical teaching. But um, if you'll just hang on, I've got to get the information to you before we start the other part of it. The tragedy of a wounded spirit. The tragedy of a wounded spirit. You know, the Bible says that we could handle infirmity, but we could never handle a wounded spirit. Now, let me first of all tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about you getting your feelings hurt. Everybody gets their feelings hurt now and again. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that goes way, 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 way deeper than that. Now, I don't know how you folks in Kennett believe and how you're taught, but I've taught Nokema that it's rude to tell people they're fat. I don't know why I feel so strong about that, but I've just, um, I've told them that. Had a woman tell me one time she hadn't seen me in a while and she looked me up and down and said, my word, Brother David, you're getting fat. So I looked her over real good and you know, I said, you know, I said, I can lose weight. But I said, ugly is forever. And I smiled when I said it. <laughs> so, I'm not ta- that's, what, that's not what I'm talking about, where you get your feelings hurt. I'm talking about something that gets down beyond your mind and goes down beyond the surface and goes down beyond the things on the outside and it gets in your spirit. When you get a wounded spirit, my friend, I'm telling you, it will change you. It will take beautiful people and turn them into very ugly people. It will take talented people and twist and warp them. It will take good people and change them into something else. But I'm telling you, the Lord has sent me to this house today with a message to somebody in this building that you can survive if you do what God will give you today to do. Talking about the tragedy of a... Wounded spirit, the tragedy of a wounded spirit. Now, one, the way I was raised around Pentecost, Brother Magruder, I don't know how they taught it up here, but they taught us at home, you, oh, you just need to pray through. You just need to pray through and get over it. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I got a wounded spirit the first time it happened, I prayed until my tongue was sore from talking in tongues and I was not fixed. Now, I want to tell you this, this did not come from a book and it did not come from, from off the internet and I didn't get this off the tape or a DVD or CD somewhere. I got this through the crucible of suffering and experience and desperation with God. The way this, the way this revelation came was there were some people that, you know, Brother Magruder, when I was a, when I was an evangelist, everybody pretty much liked me. So, you know, I, you know, those that didn't, they understood, you know, I, won't, I just had to put up with him for a little bit and he'd be gone. So we got along pretty much. But when I began to pastor and I began to live with folks day in and day out and I began to help them to become accountable to the process of Christian living, I found out that not everybody liked me so well. In fact, I found some folks that didn't like me at all. So uh, this, this one fellow that, that was at the church in Okima, um, I told the Lord, he, the Lord told me right after I got there, I was praying one day and the Lord said to me, 
He called the man's name and he said, that man will leave. But he said, I'll replace him with seven men. I immediately began to just, I mean, throw a real fit with God. I said, no, my God, you can't do that. That's the guy I take care of church when I'm gone. You can't. The Lord just like he is. He wouldn't even talk to me. I didn't understand that. Well, when we got through with this, I understood. Mo better. And so um, these, these folks, they said, uh, they said, but yeah, well, we won't take you and your wife out to eat. Well, you can tell, but look at me. I like to do that. And so um, um, we, we went out to eat. And, and uh, they said, listen, we want you riding our car. And boy, they had a big, shiny, long, luxury car and, and uh, said, we're buying. And then they said, um, we're going to the barbecue place. I mean, I said, man, this is like heaven on earth. This must be one of the heavenly places that the Bible says we're going to sit in. And so we get to the barbecue place, and, and man, we're sitting there, and we're tearing into the ribs and the, and the brisket and the baked beans, and man, everything, it's just wonderful and lovely. Now, I don't know how God talks to you and shows you stuff. He, he, he shows people stuff in different ways. With me, sometimes the way God shows me stuff, he shows me stuff. If there's a spiritual condition on a person, a lot of times he'll show me physically something. And it's been very disconcerting sometimes when you see stuff like that and when God shows you stuff like that. But anyway, I'm sitting across the table from this guy. And Brother Magruder, we're just having a good time eating the barbecue. And all of a sudden, uh, I noticed something changing about him. And I look, and from right here at his collar, I watch just like a, just like a thermometer. It starts going, his color starts changing. It's changing from a normal, normal fleshly color to a pale, chalky, gray corpse color. And I watch it goes right up his face. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I was in the middle of a rib or what I was doing, but I stopped, and I'm looking across the table at this guy thinking, what in this world is this? I'm talking about something I can see with my eyes. It went up his face, and when it got to his eyes, his eyes milked over like he had cataracts, like completely covered with cataracts. Well, I'm telling you, I, he's got my full attention, I promise you. And it goes all the way to his hairline, and then his face twists, and his visage changes, and the most horrible words that have ever been spoken to me begin to come out of his mouth. Accusations. Slander. He began to speak against my wife and I. And I, I'm, I mean, back in those days, I, 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 it's a little different now that I've passed for 20 years. Today... I'd probably picked up the barbecue sauce and squirted it straight in his face. You don't look at me like that? Take some of that, fella. But, you know, I brand new at pastor, and man, I thought everybody was, the, was a saint, and my God, I'm just trying to be Mr. And you know what? That guy literally began to gut me. Began to gut me, literally like, literally cut me open with words. I believe spirit-inspired words. And so he did that for maybe five minutes, and I was without defense. And, and all of a sudden, I watched as the color began to change and go back to normal. His eyes cleared, and, and when it got all the way down, he, just, he was just as happy and smiley as he had ever been. This happened two times during that meal, and two times that thing came on him, and God let me see that demonic spirit as it operated through him. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It was, this is how serious it was. When we got up from the table, it was so severe, just words, that Sister Sharon, my wife, began to physically 
pass out from just words. I literally physically had to help her to get her to the car and get her in that back seat where we could go home. Just words. We got home. That was on a Saturday night. Our Oklahoma camp meeting started on Sunday, and they like to have Sunday night church, and, and so they asked all the pastors if they would to come up on Sunday night, and I was going to do that. So I got in there, and I'm thinking, dear God, what is wrong with me? I, I've never had anything like this happen. And I walked to the pulpit on that Sunday morning, and when I opened my mouth, I'm telling you, it's like knives and swords and daggers and clubs. I was pummeling people. I was lacerating people with my words. And I realized that's not me. And I stopped. I said, church, let's pray. And I backed up and I said, Jesus, what is wrong with me? You've got to help. I didn't know what was even wrong with me. I said, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And I'd step back up and I'd try again. And it was the same thing. I went maybe 20 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes. And I realized if something don't change right here, there won't even be a church here in six months. I'll completely destroy it. So I literally, maybe 20 minutes, and I turned to somebody and I said, would you pray the dismissal prayer? And I went off the platform, out the door, through my office, and got in my car. I didn't speak to one person. I didn't shake one person's hand because I was out of control for the first time in my life. Now, I, don't know, I don't know how they teach you in Missouri. My mama taught me, you don't have fits and get out of control. Now, maybe you were given time out. I'm going to tell you the kind of time out we had. I'm going to stand here and wait till you get back with enough switches where we can take care of this problem. That's the kind of time out I had. And you know, it was a little more effective than somebody sitting over in a chair pouting about it, okay? Well, you go ahead and do it however you want, all right? But I'm going to tell you, it's kind of like one fellow said, you're just too tough on your kid. I said, why don't we talk in 15 years? And guess what? He's in court and my kid's in the ministry. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, um, let's go on. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, I, I've noticed that, that when I'd have them fits like I can get out of control, my mama would time her fits to, to, to kind of coincide with the fits I had. I want to tell you something. You see these kids fall down in the store in the grocery aisle at Walmart and just go to kicking their feet and stuff. I'm going to tell you, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Or we didn't do it twice, okay? We just didn't do it twice. We just didn't do it. We didn't do that. And um, so anyway, I had been taught to be in control all my life, and I'm out of control, and I don't know what to do. Well, thank God I didn't have service that night. We went to camp meeting. I was there Sunday night. You know what I did? I got in the motel room. I'd come into church late, so when I talked to anybody, and I'd leave early. Go back to that motel room. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm praying and I'm seeking God. You've got to help me, God. I don't know what's wrong with me. I didn't go to church Wednesday at our home church. We, had, we stayed there at camp. And, and I, I was not have to be in the pulpit till the next Sunday morning. I've been steadily praying and seeking God. The next Sunday morning, back in the pulpit, it's the same thing. I'm lacerating, pummeling, beating people. And, and, and that Sunday night, same thing. So I, that Monday, after a week after it had happened, or a week and a couple of days, I, I said, Jesus... You're going to have to do something. I can't go on like this. And somewhere between that Sunday and that Wednesday night service, Jesus came to me and he talked to me just like I'm talking to you and explained to me what had happened. He said, here's what happened. He said, inside of every man, I put a cup of emotional reserve. 
And when things happen that are negative or bad or tragic, they can go in that cup of emotional reserve. And because you've got a reserve, you're able to still function and cope and go on in life. But he said, what happened in your situation, I guess because it was demonic in its influence, that you got so much acid and bitterness poured in you at one time. When you opened your mouth, that's what came out. You ever met somebody that when you walked away from and you said, that person is hateful. Have you ever considered that maybe somewhere they just got a wounded spirit and didn't know how to fix it? Had a wise man of God tell me one time, he said, David, remember one thing, there's not very many truly mean and vicious people in this world, but there are a lot of hurting people and they're hard to tell apart. So, so anyway, I, the Lord said, he said, that's what's happened. I said, okay, God, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? I don't, I don't, I didn't know anything about a wounded spirit. I didn't, I didn't know how to fix this. And, and the Lord said, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to recognize what you've used to deal with hurt in your past. I said, okay, what have I used? And he took me back down memory lane when I was away from God as a teenager and living wild and crazy. And he said, what you used back then when someone would hurt you, you would use hate. And I began to realize, you know what? I was a very good hater. Somebody hurt me? Listen, I turned the hate on, start pouring the hate right on top of that hurt. Guess what happened? The pain went away. And I said... Fixed it. God said, the only problem is you cannot isolate that hate that you're dumping on your hurt just to the room in which your hurt is. And all of a sudden, you're going to find that stuff seeping out from under the door in that room where you want to keep it and going down the hall and showing up in places where you don't want it to be. So I realized I can't use hate. The Lord said, the next thing you've used in your past is violence. And you know, I had to admit, that's true, God. <laughs> and I live by the motto, I don't get mad. That's what I said. But you know, even that wasn't true about me. I wasn't interested in getting even. If they gave me one black eye, I wanted to give them two. I wasn't interested in getting even. I wanted to get ahead. So I realized I can't use violence because the Lord said, you cannot isolate violence just to the area of your hurt. You show me somebody that uses hatred or violence to deal with their pain in their life and I'll show you somebody that is a very hateful uh, and a very violent person. Uh, even in areas they don't want to be that way. It's because it fills their spirit when they begin to put it in there. Then the Lord said something to me that's pretty shocking, Brother Magruder. He said, let me show you what my people use. He said, yes, let me show you what my people use. He said, my people use hardness. I said, hardness? What do you mean? He said, it's kind of like this. They live by this motto. If a dog bites me once, it's the dog's fault. But if that same dog bites me again, it's my fault. Meaning, I should have built a wall between me and the thing that hurt me. So you know what the Lord said my people use? They use walls or hardness. And if somebody hurts them, you know what they do? They still put on a smile when they have to and when they have to get close. But if they see that person coming down this aisle, they'll go over here and go up this aisle. 
You know what they're doing? They're putting up walls. They're putting up hardness. Uh, and the Lord said, the problem with that is uh, when I come to flow through them with the Spirit, guess what? The very channel that they put the wall up in to protect them from a hurt uh, is the very channel that I flow through to let my Spirit come through them. And so when I begin to try to flow through them, wham, I hit this wall. You wonder why some people never have a good, strong flow of the Holy Ghost come through? It might be because they're using hardness to deal with their pain. The last thing the Lord showed me that he said, this is what my people use. And he said, they use deception. I said, deception? He said, yes, very small doses of it. And I said, how? He said, here's what they do. So they get hurt, they get wounded. And here's what they say. Somebody asked them, how are you? They said, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, I go. Oh, yeah, I got over that a long time ago. I'm fine. And what they're doing is taking little small doses of deception into their mind and into their spirit. And eventually, it's going to begin to feel and feel and feel their spirit until it begins to cause them to be deceived in areas. I've watched in my lifetime as preachers and peers of mine would get wounded and they'd begin to say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it wouldn't be but just years later. And I'd watch as all of a sudden they'd begin to let go of stuff in doctrine. They'd begin to let go of stuff in separation from the world. And I looked at their end and I thought, how in the name of the Lord did they get there? You know where it started? It started with little bitty doses of deception. Can I tell you, there's nobody in here that can handle a wounded spirit. Honey, you've got to give it to God today. So I said, Jesus, okay, you've showed me how I dealt with it in the past. How do I fix this? So the Lord says to me, begin to describe to me in detail what happened at that table at that barbecue place. So I begin to tell Jesus exactly. I mean, I could see it like it was a, a picture. I begin to tell him how the man's face changed. I begin to tell him how his visage twisted. I begin to tell him how that the words began to affect me like somebody literally taking a knife and cutting me across the stomach. And when I begin to tell God, guess this is kind of weird. You know what happened? I begin to feel those same feelings Again, because in that week and a half, you know what I'd already began to do? In just a week and a half, I'd already begin to bury them. Time had begun to sift dust over them. And, and my efforts to cope, uh, just to cope and be normal, had begun to cover the pain already. But when I began to describe to God what had happened, it began to bring it back to the surface. And when it got to the surface, it began to hurt again. And the Lord said, now, with it on the surface... Say these words. And here's what he told me to say. And I said them. I said, Lord Jesus, as of this moment, for what that man did and for what he said, as of this moment, I forgive him and I release him and I take that pain and I give it into your hands right now. I've described it like this, that it literally almost felt like a hand went down inside of my chest and ripped something out of my stomach. It literally, it was like it took my breath. And I, I, but immediately in my mind, I began to understand God has just given me a revelation that is going to touch many, many, many 
people. And I'm telling you, there are some of you sitting in this building today that have carried this stuff for years. Some of you, it's recent. Some of you, it's from old, old, old wounds. But I'm telling you, if you let God heal you today, you will not be a walking wounded, but you will be a walking hospital. And you'll be able to help other people if you're willing to let God heal you first. So I'm telling you, it was so drastic that it literally like took my breath away. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm staggered by this, Brother Magruder. And, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden the Lord says, let's go to the second step of forgiveness. Second step, what's that? You know, sometimes the second step is harder than the first one. And the Lord, I said, what do you mean, Jesus? And the Lord said, let me take you to Acts chapter number seven. Stephen is being stoned. He's at the point of death. Listen to what his words are. He lifts his eyes to heaven. And here's what he says. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He wasn't saying, I forgive them. He was saying, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive them and never make them pay for what they're doing to me right now. And all of a sudden I thought, oh God, because in my analytical brain I was thinking, I've forgiven him, I've let him go, but be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And in my mind I was thinking, there will come a day that God will tend to this. I've let him go, but God will tend to this. But all of a sudden the Lord said, now I want you to go to the place where you asked me to never make them pay for what they did. And then it was like he took me to Calvary and he said, listen, do you hear my words as finite flesh cries out to eternal spirit and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't say not the flesh saying I forgive. No, 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 it was the finite flesh crying to the eternal spirit saying forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So you know what I did? I went back and said, God, for what that man's done to me, I have forgiven him. But as of this moment, I'm asking you to forgive him and I'm asking you to release him. I'm asking you to wipe it off of his record as though it never happened. Uh, if you've got a cupboard with your blood, do it. If you've got to chisel it out with a chisel out of stone, uh, do it. Uh, and then I said this, and God, if you ever need a witness in judgment against that man, do not call me. For I will refuse to be a witness against him because this day I have forgiven and released him and I'm asking you to do the same. Some of you is going to have to do that step today. You're going to do all of it, but you're going to have to go by that place and it's sometimes a painful process to let that go, especially when the roots of it have grown deep. Then the Lord said, now we've got to go to the third step. I said, Jesus, what? You're talking about. He said, there will be people you will meet that I have forgiven them completely. I have taken it off of their record. I have removed it from them. I have forgiven them. But when they come to me because of things they've done in their past, they will not be able to forgive their self. And I didn't truly understand it, Mother Magruder, until I looked across the table, across the desk, 
at a woman who'd had multiple abortions before she got to God and then realizing the magnitude of her sin or her mistakes and, and, and not really fully comprehending the mercy of God. She, she couldn't get it. She couldn't. And all of a sudden I understand this is what this is for. And literally that's where you speak your own name and you tell God what you did and say, but as of this moment, I forgive and I release David Shatwell for what he has done this day and I refuse to hold this against him another day. There's some of you people that could be warriors but you're slaves and the reason you're slaves is because you're living under guilt, shame and condemnation from the things you've done in your life. I'm telling you, I'm fixing to declare the emancipation proclamation. You are going to be free today if you will but let God do what he's trying to do in this house. Would somebody raise your hands right now and just reach out to God a moment? My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. I'd barely gotten through with that when the Holy Ghost came back to me and said, David, there's another step. Got to go to step four. I said, God, now wait a minute. What do you mean step four? He said, there will be instances that will happen where you literally will have to say the words out of your mouth, I forgive and I release you, Jesus. You say, wait a minute, Brother Shaw, are you talking about forgiving God? It's not really about God. It's about resentment that we hold in our hearts because of things that happened in our lives that our mind says God could have stopped this. God could have prevented this. And he didn't do it. And maybe you wouldn't understand unless you've sat in a church building for 15 or 20 years and, and watched a person raise their hand and, and say, I know God's going to save my boy. I know God's going to save my baby. And then they die in a fiery, drunken crash somewhere. I'm going to tell you something, friend. That'll mess with your head. Honey, how about somebody that for years said, oh, would you pray that I could have a baby? And then finally they have a baby. And the baby dies at one year old in a tragic accident. We don't understand everything, but I'm telling you, you can begin to scratch your head and look at God and say, you ain't fair. This isn't right. Why did you let this happen? And sometimes you've got to go to the place to where you say, you could have made a difference. You could have made it happen otherwise. But as of this moment, I forgive you, God. And I release you. And I release any resentment that I'm holding against you right now. Now, how powerful is this? How powerful is this? It don't sound that powerful at this point, okay? But I'm going to tell you something, darling. I've seen enough stuff happen in the past 15 or 16 years since God gave this to me. Just let me tell you a few of them, okay? Um, I was preaching to church one night, and uh, I walked in and preached this message right here, just like this. When I got through, there were three ladies that came up that had been horribly, horribly wounded by 
authority figures in their lives. They stood over here and they and uh, they began to pray. And all three of them had their eyes closed. I walked over and, and I knew I just had a small window of opportunity to help them and work with them. And, and so I was trying to get as much done as I could. And I wasn't trying to make a doctrine out of what I'm going to tell you. I'm just, I'm just telling you I was trying to do something to get as much done as possible. And so I told them, I said, cup your hands. And they cupped their hands and I said, listen, we're going to put every bit of the wounding and the hurt and the pain that you've ever experienced in your life right here. And I said, look in it, look, look in your hand. And they looked down in their hand and I said, and now say these words. And I had them repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, every bit of the pain, every bit of the wounding that's ever happened in my life, as of this moment, I forgive and I release the people and persons that have caused this. And I'm going to give this to you. Put your hands out like that. And I, and I held my hand on their hands just like this. And when they got up like this, they were repeating after me. And they got up like this. I said, now in the name of Jesus. And with everything in me, I pulled. With every bit of the anointing power that I had in me, I pulled to get that stuff out. Do you know what I watched those women do without watching each other? They had the, the other two had their eyes closed. I watched them go like this when, when I said now, and I, I literally, I can feel, I've done it so, God's helped me. It's happened so long that when somebody really gets that loose, I literally can feel a, a pulling sensation inside my stomach almost like that. It's, it's almost like I can feel it inside. I've, it's so many times it's happened. And when this happened, this woman went like this. Her hands were up like this, and she went, ow! And she grabbed her lower stomach. I went on to the next one, did the same thing. She wasn't watching the first one. She did the exact same thing. When I got to the third one and she did the same thing, I thought, now, I've got to find out what's going on here. I don't know why this is happening, but I need to know. So I went and got the pastor. I said, let's go. I need to talk to them women. So I went over to this one and I said, listen, I noticed you grabbed your stomach when you got through saying, I forgive and I release. Why did you do that? She looked at me. She said, because I felt something tear loose way down in the lower part of my stomach. Just like that, the scripture in Hebrews that says, Beware, lest any root of bitterness springing up and thereby many be defiled. It was kind of like when I was a boy just running through the field and, and just reach down and grab a little plant and, and just, just play and, and grab it and rip it up and have its little roots and tentacles and, and you could feel it tearing as it pulled up. Uh, that's exactly what happens uh, to the root of bitterness inside of you uh, that you've buried and you've coped with and you've just learned to go ahead and lie but you've never known how to get it out. That's what it's going to feel. Honey, when it comes out, let it go. Watch this. Watch this. There was another guy. I'm going to tell you something. This stuff is generational. I said, this stuff is generational. This can't happen to you and you not know how to deal with it and it not do its dead level best to affect the next generation. It's going to try its best to get your babies. I was in San Antonio preaching for Tim Wallace and, and he said, I want you to do two nights of this, to teach on it two nights. I did it one night and there was a military guy sitting back in the congregation and he was weeping and sobbing and, and, and Brother Wallace said, come back here and help him. I went back there and I went through the forgiving and releasing process with him and, and I mean, he did it right and we really got it cleaned out good. And he left church. After that, went home. His boy, six or seven years old, had been sick that night. Wasn't able to come to church. He walked in. About 9.30, going to tell his boy good night. And when he stepped in the room, he said, baby, I just come to tell you good night. And the little boy raised up probably on one elbow and said, daddy, 
something really weird happened in here about 20, 30 minutes ago. He said, what was it, baby? He said, Dad, and he knew nothing about what had went on at church. The boy had been sick and stayed home. He said, Daddy, I don't know what it was. But he said, he said, a dark shadow came in this bedroom. And a figure, a dark figure, stood over my bed. And he said, it loomed over me. And he said, it looked at me. And then it backed up. And it turned and walked away. You believe what you want to. I believe that demonic spirit of bitterness uh, was trying to get the next generation. But because his daddy had done it right uh, and got the link broken and the chain severed, uh, that thing wasn't able to get his babies. Uh, I'm trying to tell somebody in this house, what you do in this building today might be the thing that saves your babies. Uh, it might be the thing that salvation is brought to your kids. Watch another man. I watched another man. I'm talking all these people did was get it to the surface and say, as of this moment, I forgive and I release. That's all they said. It wasn't some, I, I didn't have them by the head. I wasn't doing any of that. All they were doing was saying, I forgive and I release. Another guy, call a God on his life. He was a young preacher. And he had gotten wounded. After being in the ministry, he had gotten wounded so bad by a preacher that literally when he got to me, he had began to take up smoking again. Something he had done years and years and years ago before God had delivered him. And he had slipped around, had him under the seat of his truck. So when he came to me, I began to take him through the process. He forgave and released his mom. He forgave and released his dad. But when we got to that preacher that had wounded him, it was difficult for him, but we got through it. He cried. We, we prayed together. He got up and walked away. He called me the next morning because when he'd gotten his truck to go to work, just out of habit, he just reached under the seat, pulled his cigarettes out, and when he lit one up, he said, I thought I was going to throw up in the cab of this truck. It made me that sick just to smell a cigarette. You know what had happened? When he got rid of the unforgiveness and the bitterness, God literally completely severed the desire and draw for nicotine from that man in one moment's time. Brother Paul Sharp, pastors in Midwest or in Dale City, right next to Oklahoma City. He called me. I was sick in my body. He said, I want you to come and do that tonight. He said, I've called my sister. She's driving from 500 miles south, coming to this service tonight. He said, she, you know, she's really not in the church, but, but I want you to come and I want you because she's been through a horrible, horrible relationship and she's got a lot of problems. So I went through the service. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like the delivery was right. And, but anyway, went through the service and, and just, I don't even remember whether I went by her. Somebody went by her and, and just said, all right, let's say I forgive and I release. And she said the words, I forgive and I release as of this moment. She had went through a relationship that was so bad that literally, Seven or eight years later, even with medication, her hands shook like this. She couldn't help herself. She had taken it for years, and, and that medicine, and, and still shook. When she got through just saying, I forgive, and I release from her heart. We went to the house after church. Brother Sharp said, Brother Shatwell, come here. He brought me over to his sister. He said, sis, he said, stick your hand out. She went. He called me back later and said, the drugs and the alcohol that she was addicted to, was she was also completely delivered from that, never shook from that day to this day. 
just forgive him and release him. You know, it's like this. Jesus said, you cannot dump, you cannot dump hatred, you cannot dump violence, you cannot dump hardness, and you cannot dump deception into your spirit. But he said, there's one thing you can dump unlimited quantities of into you, and it'll only make you better, and that is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. Listen to this. There was a man that had been wounded. A, a preacher went wacko and, and, uh, and when he was a kid, and it destroyed his family. And, and so <clears throat> here he is 27 years later sitting in my office, and, and he's eating up with it. He's eating up with it. He talks about it and feeds on it every day. And I, I go through the process, and, and back in those days, I would let them tell me what had happened. I, 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 since then, I figured out, you know what? I never could find the flush lever on my brain. I couldn't find the flushing mechanism on my brain, so I decided, you know what? Um, and since the mind is the stomach of the soul, and I don't want to have a sick soul, I better be careful what I'm putting in my mind. So I had him take it to Jesus, you know. He takes care of all that. But in those days, I was just brand new, and this guy's sitting there, and, and I'm, I mean, he told me everything that happened. So I'm going back over it in my words, and I'm making it very real to him. I'm holding his hands, and he's, he's saying, I forgive, and I release, and he forgives and releases his mom. He forgives and releases his dad for things that his dad done. But when I say, I forgive, and I release, he says, I forgive, and I release, and I call that preacher's name. He freezes. He says, No! He said, I want him to die and burn in hell. I hate him. I said, come on, man, we got to do this. And I kept working and working and working until he said, I forgive and I release. And he called that preacher's name. I didn't have my hand on his head saying in Jesus' name. I wasn't doing any of that. But when he said the words, it was so, so I've never seen that happen anywhere since then. I've dealt with thousands of people. But he had fed it so long, that root of bitterness was so deep that when he said, I forgive and I release and call that preacher's name, he physically began to throw up in my office. It like scared me to death. I'm going to be honest with you. I jumped back. Box over there, you know. I haven't seen anything quite like that. They didn't teach us about that in Sunday school, okay? That wasn't part of our curriculum, okay? I didn't understand all of that. But I'm telling you, all of that to tell you this, this is something that literally will change your life forever. Now, lest there's anybody here that would think, well, you know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to forgive. I want you to put on the screen right now. Put on the screen Matthew chapter number 18, verse number 34. Uh, this is a story about a man who owes a huge, huge, huge debt in the millions of dollars. And, and, and the master tells him, said, you've got to pay. And the guy says, I don't have the money to pay. If you'll just give me time, I'll pay everything if you'll be patient with me. The Bible said the Lord, just like that, forgave him. You know what that's like? That's like when you and I came to the altar the first time and God forgives us of the magnitude of sins that we'd committed in our lives. We're forgiven just like that. Then the Bible said that this man goes out and finds one of his fellow servants who owes him just dollars and pennies and says, pay me what you owe me. And the guy gives him the same speech that this guy gave to the master. And the Bible said he would not forgive him but grabbed him by the throat and said, you pay me or I'm gonna, and put him in prison. When the fellow servants heard this, they went and told the master. Now listen, is it important that after I am forgiven at an altar, that I forgive my brothers and my sisters and people I interact with. Is it important? Watch this. L listen to what it says. 
And his Lord, when he found out this guy had not given the same mercy he'd been given, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to what? There is no one more tormented than people who refuse to forgive. I personally believe, this is a personal belief that I have, when you refuse to forgive, if this parable is true that Jesus told, I believe there's literally demonic spirits that are released against you to torment you every minute of every day that you live. He said, turn him over to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, if it stopped there, we'd say, man, that's a bad deal. But look at the next verse. Watch this. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Wait a minute. I thought you'd put that in the depth of the sea, my sin. I thought it was, I thought you could never remember it again. I thought it was cast behind your back. I thought it was as far as the east is from the west. I understand all of that. But here's Jesus saying, if you don't forgive, not from your mouth, from your heart, uh, your brothers, their trespasses, uh, I'm going to bring up some old sin uh, and some old debts that you have and make you pay for them. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. The only option that I have is to forgive unless I never make one error the rest of my days and need forgiveness of it. The tragedy of a wounded spirit. The tragedy of a wounded spirit. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Let's stand if you would. Luke 4 and verse 18. Luke 4 and 18. Look what the Bible says. Jesus is reading out of the book of Isaiah in the synagogue. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me. Now we're fixing to read the exact reason that the anointing of the Holy Ghost was on the man Christ Jesus. Watch this. He hath anointed me, number one, to preach the gospel. Somebody say to preach the gospel. He hath sent me to what? Now sometimes we're heavy into that anointing to preach the gospel. But you better remember something, daughter. That thing, that's not the only reason the anointing came to you. He sent it to heal the broken hearted. Preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. And to what? Set at liberty. Let me tell you something. If you've got to be set at liberty, that means you're bound. That means you're a captive. To set at liberty. Who? Them that are bruised. Do you know what a bruise is, darling, when you see a bruise? All that is is bleeding on the inside. So you know what? The anointing, a minimum, a minimum of one-third of the anointing is to deal with emotional wounding. I'm afraid I'll have to admit to you, Brother Magruder, 
I'm afraid there's been times I might have abused the anointing and used it for some things other than to heal the wounded people that I have met in my life. It's not to make me look good in a pulpit. It's not for people to think, well, he's spiritual. It's not for people to think, man, he's a great preacher. No, 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 friend. It's to heal people that have been wounded, that have bruised and bleeding on the inside. Brother Pugh told me a story when he was a kid. He said, they went to a little rural church down in Louisiana. He said one night on the way home, he said there'd be four or five families and they'd, they'd walk along together in old dark country lanes, not a light anywhere. And he said there'd be three or four kids with each family and, or five and, and they'd run around, they'd stop and get a drink of well water and talk a little bit and they'd move on. One night it was alleged that one of the teenage boys from one of the family had raped one of the teenage girls from one of the other families. And it was so bad in that church, it went to court and it was so bad in that church that file, charges were filed, they pressed them. The boy went to prison. The 18, 19 years old went to prison. Spent about 10 years in prison. It divided that church right down the middle. I mean, people on this side thought, he's guilty. People on this side thought, I think that girl was just faking it. Nonetheless, Brother Pugh said, revival came to a screeching grinding halt in that little church. He said, after about 10 years, that boy came out of prison, came back to that small community in Louisiana looking for somebody to forgive him. When he walked in that building, he was met with the cold, judgmental, condemning stares of people that believed he was guilty. And it wasn't long until just a matter of weeks, maybe a month, but Pew said the boy began to lose feeling in his legs. He said until the place that he couldn't get to church anymore. And then it was so bad that they had to literally carry him to the dinner table. And finally, they built him a little shack out behind the house, out in the corner of the yard. And they'd just take him his food and he could eat when he got ready. And he lived his own life and he was paralyzed from about here down. There were people in that church that said, he's faking it. He's just trying to get attention and sympathy. One night a tornado came through there and blew a bunch of trees down, knocked houses over and hit that little shack and rolled that shack up in a pile in the corner of the yard up against the fence with debris and limbs and leaves. People came with their old coal oil lamps and began to look. And finally they said, we can't find the boy. And they got over in the corner and somebody began to pull debris back and laying bruised and cut and bleeding was that boy in the corner of that yard. And all of a sudden that spread like wildfire through the community and somebody said, you know what? Maybe he's not faking it because if he had been faking it, he'd have probably crawled out of that thing and got help instead of laying there nearly bleeding to death. And so one night, not long after that, there was a mama from one side of that aisle that thought he was guilty, looked across that aisle, that place called No Man's Land, took the three or four steps across that aisle, wrapped her arm around the mama on the other side and said, listen, I want you to forgive me and I want you to know I forgive you. Tears began to flow and another one came across and another one came across. Brother Pew said forgiveness began to flow like this through the body. They went home. That mama said it was three or four days later. She's making homemade biscuits in the kitchen. And all of a sudden she heard the screen door on the back of the house. Heard the creak of the old screen door. She turned and looked and standing on two strong stalwart legs was her 30 or 31 year old boy. And I believe it was like this that when she asked him, what happened? 
I believe it was like this. Mom, I don't know. But two or three days ago, feeling started coming back into my legs again. And today I can walk. I wonder who it is in this house that you've been emotionally paralyzed. I'm telling you the Spirit of the Lord is here right now to heal you and to deliver you and to set you free. Honey, have you been bruised from losing a mate, losing a baby? If somebody jilted you and walked away, if you had a parent that never told you that they loved you, if you never were accepted and never got affirmation, if you've been abused sexually, mentally, or emotionally or physically I'm telling you that God is here to heal you today I'm going to open this altar I want all over this building right now I want people I want you to begin to say the words I want you to close your eyes I want you to begin to say the words I forgive and I release now you watch what happens when we start doing this there's going to be a spirit that begins to come in here. I've watched it a hundred times. There's going to be a spirit that comes in. When you begin to say, I forgive and I release, and you're going to see it as it begins to touch people that are in desperate need of healing. Right now, all over this place. If there's somebody who wants to step out and be honest and say, Brother Chatwell, there's some things in my life that I want to get out. I want to forgive and release them. Is there somebody that would step out and walk to the front? Is there anybody? I wish somebody would reach in like you were reaching literally into your chest and begin to, oh, I know it's painful to open that door. You thought maybe it'd be better, but just kept it closed. No, it won't be better. You'll never be what God wants you to be until you forgive and release. Come on, would somebody reach in and go, I forgive and I release. Come on, would you do it? Come on, like you were reaching into your chest. Reach in there and pull it out and release it. Reach in there and pull it out and just release it. Come on, come on, come on, just reach in, reach in, come on, reach in and say it, I forgive and I release. Now pull it out, now give it to him. That's it, do it again, do it again, just keep doing it. Come on, reach out, reach in there. I forgive and I release. Come on, here it comes. I forgive and I release. Come on, that's it, get it all. I forgive and I release. And I give this hurt and pain to you. That's it. Let it go. Let it go. Now. Ah, shut up. You cut out a whole chapala. Come on, come on, come on, come on, church all over this house. reaching in your chest, reach in there and pull it out pull it out and give it to God say the words I forgive and I release come on just keep doing it I'm telling you it's, it's making something happen inside of you God, my God. Oh, God. 
That's it. Reach in there. Reach in there and get it. That's it. Tell her, I forgive and I release. Here it is, Jesus. I don't want to carry it another day. That's it. Let it go. There it is. There it is. That's it. Get all of it. Get all of it. That's it. Get all of it. That's it. Pull it out. Pull it out. Come on. Picture it in your mind. I don't care if it's yesterday or 50 years ago. Get it out. Pull it out. Come on, I'm challenging you. Keep doing it. Come on, keep doing it. Reach in there. Reach in there and pull it out. Come on. Come on. Come on, I've talked to grown men. I've talked to men that had families. And they said, my daddy never told me one time that he loved me. My mama rejected me. Come on, I've talked to ladies that said, dear God, I was abused from my earliest days. I'm telling you, you can be free. yourself would you slip up beside a brother would you slip up beside a sister come on help them reach inside and pull that out come on you got to do it from your heart you got to do it from your heart
Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Come on, would you minister to somebody? Come on, if you're not praying for yourself, would you minister to somebody? Come on, maybe it's there, but I didn't feel anything when I did it. Dear God, keep doing it. Keep reaching in there. Keep pulling a little deeper. Step up beside another woman right now. Come on, if you've suffered deep, deep, deep grief, why don't you reach inside right now and give it to God? Come on, just reach inside right now. Reach in and pull it out. Jesus, I give this hurt. I give this loss. I give this pain into your hands. Oh, God, that's it. Release it. Let it go. Let it go. Get it all, get it all, get it all. Here we go. In the name of Jesus, I give this pain, this hurt, this loss. I say now, I say now, I say now. I say now, I say now, I say now, I say now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It don't matter. Don't be thinking about, well, who's watching? Don't be thinking about who's looking on. Dear God, you got to get healed. You got to get healed. You got to get healed. Oh, oh, God.
I forgive and I release. God, I give it to you. I declare you free. I declare you free. That's it, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. That's it, keep doing that, keep doing that. God's making you free. God's making you free. That's it, reach inside. Reach inside. Say, I forgive and I release. Pull it out. Pull it out. Come on, pull it out. I forgive. Say the words. I forgive. And I release. That's it, now pull it out. Come on, come on. Come on, now give it to him. My God, my God, my God, my God. Come on, I'm telling you, there might be tears flowing right now, but I'm telling you, joy's fixing to come. I said, joy's fixing to come. I said, joy's fixing to come because there is liberty. I want everybody, everybody listen to me, please, for just a moment. Listen to me. Please listen to me. This is not an event. Don't walk away from this building today and your mind say, okay, I did it. This is not an event. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You know what I want you to do today? When you're alone, just you and Jesus, I want you to go back. And, I want, and you know what will happen? You'll start remembering things that you have completely forgotten that you've buried underneath the layers of dust of time. And when God lets those come back to your mind, say, for what they did, for what they said, for the loss I suffered, for the abuse that happened to me, for what you didn't stop, as of this moment I forgive and I release. And keep doing it. Keep doing it. You'll know when the journey's completed. You'll feel it when it's completed. Don't stop doing it. And then listen, when you get hurt again, guess what? Don't let it stay there. It's like dropping acid on your hand. Don't let it stay there overnight. When you get hurt, immediately go. I don't care if you've got to get in a closet, go to the bathroom, lock the door, whatever, and say, Jesus, for what they just said and what they just did, I don't want to use hardness. I don't want to use hatred. I don't want to use deception or violence. For what they just said, I forgive them, and I release them, and I give this into your hands. And you can walk back out of there and you don't have to put up walls. If they hurt you again, you go right back and, and take care of it again. It's a lifestyle from this point forward. Now I'm asking everybody that's ever been wounded deeply in your spirit one more time before we leave. 
want you to close your eyes. But before you, listen, wait just a minute. Before you close your eyes, I want you to go just like this. Take both hands. And I want you to say, Jesus, for what they did and what they said and the things that have happened, I forgive and I release. And I don't want to carry this pain another day. And then take your hands like you're pulling something out of your chest and release it into the heavens. Let's do it right now. Say, I forgive and I release. I forgive that man, Jesus, and I release him right now. I forgive that man that's doing that stuff at home right now. I forgive him and I release him. That man that's trying to slander me, I forgive him and I release him right now and I give this pain into your hands. I forgive him and I release him and I give this into your hands right now. I forgive him and I release him and I give this into your hands right now in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Now listen to me. How many of you understand that if you're an RN or a doctor and you come up to an accident, scene of an accident and somebody's bleeding and you look at the scene and you're acknowledgeable of the scene and you get back in your car and drive away, do you know what can happen to you? You can end up in jail yourself for having knowledge, life-saving knowledge and not sharing it. You watch what I'm telling you. Mark what I'm saying right now. In the days to come, yea, even in the next seven, your path is going to cross somebody and they're going to start saying something about their wounding or their loss or their pain. And all of a sudden, you're going to remember this Sunday morning, I plead with you, don't be found guilty in the court of God by not giving what you have received freely today. But tell them, listen, you know what, I probably can't explain it, Just, but listen, I, I can get it on tape or DVD or whatever, CD, whatever. I, you've got to listen to this and then encourage them to go through this. There were, listen, there was a man in our town, a policeman. He never joined the church, but he came and he said, Preacher, I had a 13-year-old that abused my five-year-old. And he said, he said, I saw him at a football game the other day. And he said, when the 13-year-old walked by, he said, I all but, he said, if everything I could do to restrain myself from pulling my service weapon and shooting him. He said, somebody told me you could help me, preacher. He sat in my office, strong, stalwart police officer, and I took him through the process of forgiving and releasing. And God saved him. I was on my way to a conference to preach. Listen to this, brother. I was on my way to a conference. Me and Brother Billy Cole were preaching that conference. I'm on my way and Jesus says to me, when you get there, I want you to teach Billy Cole how to deal with a wounded spirit. I said to God, God, that guy's seen more miracles than there are in the Bible. He's seen more people get the Holy Ghost than in Scripture and you want me to teach him something? I said, I ain't going to do it. I finally, I, you know, I just ain't going to resist the Lord. I finally said, okay, God, I'll tell you what I'll do. If that man turns to me while he's preaching and looks me straight in my eyes and says something about a wounded spirit to me while he's preaching, I'll take that as a sign that I'm supposed to really help him. Listen to me. I'm sitting on the platform. Billy Cole's just preaching away, and he turns, and he says, you know my doctor. I went to him the other day, and I was telling him some symptoms that I was having. He said, you know what my doctor told me? He said, my doctor said, Billy, I can tell you what's wrong with you. It's the way you deal with hurt. He was looking straight in my eyes when I said it, when he said it. I thought, oh, God. I went to the lobby of the hotel, and I'm thinking, oh, God. He came in, and I said, uh, Brother Cole, I, I, I need to 
I, I need to talk to you. Yeah, sure, 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 you know. Yeah. And uh, come up to the room. I said, God, I wasn't I just going to tell you here, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, no, come on up, man. He, he Listen, he sits down on the edge of the bed, and I pull up a chair, and, and I, I start through the process with him. When I got through the process, tears rolling down his face, Billy Cole looked at me and said, David Shatwell, today you have saved my life. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care what you've done. You cannot handle a wounded spirit. I don't care how big of a church. I don't care how much money. I don't care how many things of prestige have been laid at your doorstep. You cannot handle a wounded spirit. But if you'll learn to forgive and you'll learn to release, you can be liberated today. Let's raise our hands and thank God for what he's given us right now. Let's spend a moment. Listen, listen, listen to this over. I encourage you, get the tape, CD, whatever they've done. Listen to it over and over and over again. If they don't, if you'd rather watch it on DVD, I've got one copy of this on DVD where I did it at another place, at a place where there was a bunch of home missionaries. Listen, I'll give it to whoever they can make as many as they want. I just want it to help somebody because it made me free. It made me free. It saved my life. And I'm obligated. I've got a debt. I've got a debt that I've got to share with other people. Thank God one more time for what he's given us. Let's thank you. Come on, will you spend a little time just thanking him? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.